Good morning. I was going to talk about the prayer lineup, but I'm going to leave that for you guys. Uh, Garrett did a good job of introducing that. But I will continue to ask you to fill out any prayer requests that you might have. These are 2022 prayer requests. We've done this for many years. And then at our, our prayer meetings, two of them on Saturday morning, we go through these individually and our pray, we pray over them, different people that are coming. So whatever on your heart and mind, you can put in one, you can put in two, you can put in 20, it doesn't matter. We just want to pray. And this, it's interesting, this week lineup of the prayer and fasting, we wind up in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, in this picture of prayer. And then on Wednesday night, we'll also be having a prayer meeting from 6.30 to 7.30. The service goes till 7.45. But our, our uh, Wednesday passage is 1 John 5. This is where we landed. And it says, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we, if, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petition of asking. So prayer, uh, this focus on prayer this week and fasting, I want to encourage you. Believe God that when we pray, he is pleased. When we pray, his power is released. When, he, when we pray, we're in his presence, the almighty God who wants to do exceedingly great things. And we're praying for our church. Now, normally, this is the first year we've done this. Normally, we would have our focus dinner at the la on the last Sunday. By the way, that's strategic, too. We have our focus dinner in between the last playoff game and the Super Bowl. Okay? <laughs> Just so, yeah. <laughs> so that's strategic, wouldn't you say? Um, uh, so anyway, uh, I want to just ask if you would please give us prayers that we can be pray praying over, and we will. We've already started to do that. Also, uh, when I do my studies, I have a lot of scripture. And so the, whoever's doing the, the uh, slide stuff, they try and keep up with me. And so I have a lot more there than I put up. They're all in here. So if you're hearing this today or any, at any time and you want my notes, I'm happy to send them to you. So just email me at kevin at ccskent.org and I'll send you notes. So with that, would you stand? We'd like to stand in honoring God's word. In Exodus chapter 17 and verse 8, God's presence in prayer. In Exodus 17 and verse 8, next section as we're going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book through the Bible. Now Amalek, verse 8, now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and, his, and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will, ha will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Responsive reading is part of Psalm 44, first eight verses. So I'll read the, the uh, odd, first and odd. And if you would join together in reading the second and even verses through this portion of Psalm 44. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days in days of old. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance because you favored them. Through you, we will push down our enemies. Through your name, we will trample those who rise up against us. But you have saved us from our enemies and have put to shame those who hated us. Yes, Lord, we praise your name. We lift our hands, our hearts, our minds to you, that you are the one that we worship, the only God. We love you, Lord. We want to hear you, your voice. We know every time we open this thing called the Bible, your word, you are speaking to us. Things I prepared, Lord, I pray you break them fresh. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. I pray, Lord, this area of prayer, you'd strengthen us in our resolve, in our commitment to spend time with you before your throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We're praying, Lord, for this week as we're giving ourselves to focusing for this week seven days in, in prayer and then for some of us fasting, that you would hear in heaven, O oh God, and work through our prayers, please. So bless this word as we, we're being encouraged here in the area of prayer and intercession. Bless this word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So a simple outline for this morning's message is this. Prayer is the deciding factor. Prayer is not in vain. And prayer is to the glory of God. Would you say amen? Prayer is the deciding factor. Prayer is not in vain. And prayer is to the glory of God. Now, with that, I want to also encourage you this morning in these three things. Right alongside, as we're talking about God's presence in prayer, keeping this in mind, I want to encourage you in three things. Number one, be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is in us. Secondly, be strong and courageous. God is with us. So as we're thinking about going to this week of prayer, but really in all of our prayer, God is in us through the God of the Holy Spirit. God is with us, so be strong and courageous. And finally, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Now, when we pray, it's in, by faith that we're praying based on who God is and what he's done. So fight the good of faith. To God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave his own son. And I don't remember the rest of it, so I can't go on. But there it is. That's part of a hymn. To God be the glory. If we can keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and put our faith in who God is and what he's accomplished, not what I feel, not what's going on around me, but I'm fixing my eyes on God who is on his throne, the throne of grace, who told us to come boldly to his throne 
Wow. And there, pour out our hearts before him. I think of Solomon when he dedicated the temple. He lifted his arms and he, and he just started to worship God. Say, God, you've done all this stuff. And so when we lift our hands, we come into this place and we raise our hands. Hear from heaven, O Lord. Hear. And God does hear our prayers. They are not in vain. To God be the glory, great things he wants to do in our prayers. And specifically, as we enter into this next week, praying for Calvary Chapel South, that God can pour out his blessings on us, that we would be, be who he's called us to be as the church. That's the first day, the church, to be a loving people, to, be, to, to equip us in the word, so we're equipped in the word. of and, and That's the list, so I better get into the study. Prayer is the deciding factor. Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, a little history of the Amalekites. They're descendants of Esau through his oldest son, Eliphaz. Esau was a fornicator and a profane person. He was, that word profane means godless. It means outside the temple. It means this, this not wanting anything to do with God, basically. That's Esau, the father of the Amalekites. Esau lived for the flesh and the world. He despised spiritual things. Hebrew says he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. It wasn't repentance. He was sorry for what happened, but he wasn't sorry for what he did before God in sin. He found no place of repentance. The Amalekites were nomads in the desert in south of Canaan, and they attacked the children of Israel. They did that and drew the anger of God. Just the history of the Amalekites. We're seeing the beginning here of the skirmishes. So they remained enemies of Israel because they were enemies of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 25, we read this. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, our passage this morning. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Therefore, it shall be when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. You shall not forget. And then we read in 1 Samuel, thus says the Lord of hosts, this is to King Saul, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel. Here it is, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. So what was Amalek doing? Unprovoked attacking the apple of God's eye. They hated God. Cowardly, targeting the weak, the vulnerable, the tired and weary. And these are the, this, behind this are the forces of darkness. This is how the devil operates. And then on God, they did not fear God. That, that wraps the whole thing up. They remained enemies of the Lord. This is Amalek and the Amalekites. So what happened? The fight continued, the battles continued for a long time. And that's what God's saying to Moses here. That's what he said as we read that passage in 1 Samuel. It's going to keep going, this battle. Now, in the Bible, the Amalekites are a picture or a type of the flesh. And so, this is the first time the children of Israel are engaged in a battle. Up to this point, God has done everything for them. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. God did it all. But now they're called upon 
to engage this enemy, Amalek. The sequence, I believe, is important to, as we look at types and pictures. It wasn't until after we were born again by the Spirit of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, coming out of the world, out of Egypt, that we begin to experience this enemy called the flesh. This enemy against God, against everything that God stands for. The flesh is everything in our fallen old nature that is organized in the wrong direction. Organized against God. Organized against God's laws, against God's righteousness, against God's holiness, against loving, obeying, and serving God. Against everything. Against submitting to the will of God. That's the flesh. And have you experienced that, my brothers and sisters in the Lord? This battle that's going on now in our bodies, if you will, where we realize the good that I will, I'm not doing. And what I don't want to do, I'm doing. The things I hate, I'm doing. Paul lays this out in Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. Here's the battle. It's against the flesh. In, a, in the fallen world with an adversary who uses them against us. Weaknesses, vulnerabilities, and all those things. So the flesh is the old nature that is, listen, a slave of sin. You cannot change that. So as Paul's laying this thing out in Romans, he says, therefore we were buried with him, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Are you not thankful, my brothers and sisters, Lord? Because if you don't know Jesus this morning, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But oh, how I would say to you, you can know. You can know Jesus. You can know this freedom from sin that is yours through the cross and salvation through Jesus Christ. I say, yeah. Have you experienced that? So we've been united together in the likeness of his death. Certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that the old man, our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. My brother says it's a position we have by faith that God has taken care of the problem of sin and the sinful nature. We've been raised in newness of life by the Holy Spirit of God in us. And we, we have newness of life. And that is no less real than the old life. In fact, it's more real. We walk in newness of life. Romans 7, for when we're in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, which condemns us, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in oldness of the life. We've been born again by the spirit of God. Romans 7, I find in a law that evil is present with me. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God in the inward man, but I see another law of my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. There's a battle going on, and it's real, it's true, and Paul lays it out in Romans 7. This is the battle, and this is the victory. Here's the battle, here's the victory. And from generation, it's not going to end so long as we're in these bodies. You go, oh, man, that's a bummer. Yeah, that is kind of a bummer, but thank God these bodies are deteriorating. Well, I guess I can't say that. <laughs> but we groan earnestly desiring to be delivered. When we begin to understand the battle that's going on, we realize we got a problem 
living with us, <laughs> living with ourselves, I guess. So this law of sin, I, and so he says there, oh, wretched man that I am. You ever say that to the Lord in your heart? Oh, wretched man. This is Paul the apostle, the great theologian, saying, saying deliver me, wretched man from this body of death. Who will deliver me? Who will? See, that's the answer. In the battle that we're fighting, it's the Holy Spirit of God crying out for us in intercession. And we're saying, who will do it? The answer is, not me. I can't deliver, but thank God through Jesus Christ. So with, then with the mind, I myself sought the law of God, but with the flesh, there's that thing, the law of sin. The battle. So you know it, I know it, we love it. There is therefore, out of this, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit overcomes the law of flesh, sin and death. The law of the Spirit is a higher law. It doesn't mean this other one's not in play. It is. There is this law of sin and death, but the higher law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has superseded, and now we can walk in victory. And when we're walking in the flesh, the devil's going to come and the condemnation, but that's not the Lord. We have in salvation, we are set free, and God forgives us, and we have this new life, and we rise above all these things by faith in the Lord and in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can walk in the Spirit. We can be led by the Spirit. We can begin to understand this third person of the Godhead who has come and indwelt us and then gives to us. And so Paul said to the Ephesians chapter 5, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ongoing. So we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is in us. My brothers and sisters, as we're praying this week, as we're praying for the church, as we're bringing ourselves before that throne of grace, may we worship God and thank God. We are in newness of life. We're new creations in Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit. And get this, check it out. The Holy Spirit makes intercession for us according to the will of God. Romans chapter 8. Can you dig it? When we don't know what to pray, it says we're groaning. Oh. And the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit interceding for us. How? According to the will of God. If we pray anything according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit intercedes. And not only that, we have a high priest who's seated in the heavens, who is our great intercession. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. All we have, we have the Holy Spirit of God. We have Jesus, the Son of God, interceding for us. How can we lose? The fact is we need to come to God and realize he won. He won. And so the encouragement is be filled with the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians, as he's saying that, be being filled. It's a continuous, ongoing filling. We need the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. And then you, you can take the ABC of being filled with the Holy Spirit and realize this is a thing. This is a promise that God's given to us. And when God says, well, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, the Holy, will your Heavenly Father give what? Who? The Holy Spirit. The greatest gift he gives after salvation, in salvation, for salvation, is himself, the Holy Spirit of God. And so, A, ask up in prayer. Ask up. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And then, B, believe the promise. 
the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off. You want the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Ask up in prayer. Believe what God has promised. Fill, because Paul said, be being filled. So, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Now, that may come with emotion. That may come, it may come with nothing, apparently. So I ask up in prayer. I believe in the promise. And then I carry on in the power of the Holy Spirit. God always backs up obedience by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's not going to call us to do things that he doesn't equip us for that, that he doesn't empower us for that. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask up in prayer. Believe in the promise. And carry on in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just believe God. And then get busy engaging the world with the gospel. So, verse 9 now. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us, choose us, I like that, choose us some men. This battle that we're looking at is happening on the hill and down in the valley. But it's one battle. Choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So, this is the first mention of Joshua. He is mentioned over 200 more times in the Bible. This young man is being prepared to succeed Moses. Big shoes to fill. To lead God's people into possessing the land that he promised to them. Joshua is the guy. And so he was born in Egypt as Hosea, which means salvation. Moses changed his name to Joshua, which in the New Testament would be Jesus. So the picture here is poignant. Moses represents the law. The law cannot take us into the promises of God. The law condemns. The law shines light. Joshua then succeeds Moses, the law. Jesus fulfilled that law, and he leads us in triumph. And so this young man, born in Egypt, changed his name, a servant of Moses, a gifted leader who became the military commander. That's Joshua. Joshua was inaugurated, and when he was being inaugurated, talking about now he's taking over. Moses is going to be dying. He's taking over. Do you, this is so fantastic. I have to include it. Joshua, upon his inauguration, was encouraged with the same words from three different people. Number one, Moses, his mentor and leader. Secondly, the Lord himself, his commander and God, and then, get this, the people. What were they saying to him? Joshua, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Deuteronomy chapter 31. Moses called Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land with which the Lord, I don't know if Moses is saying, you must go with this people, because <laughs> by that time they had put him through a lot has sworn to his fathers to give them. And he says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be discouraged. Joshua, go for it. Now, it had been many years with, with Moses. Chapter uh, 31, verse 23. He inaugurated, the Lord inaugurated Joshua, the son of man, and said, be strong and of good courage. You shall bring the children of Israel into the land of which I swore to you. I will be with, be with you. That's the encouragement for us specifically in prayer. He's saying be strong and courageous. Pray those things through. 
Joshua chapter 1. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. My brother says, we need to hear the Lord saying that to us. Be strong and courageous. As we're praying for our church. And by the way, in all these things, we're going down foundationally to the church and the word of God and the spirit of God. All these things to pray through. But in those things, our lives circulate. It's the foundation. So when we're praying, and we're praying for different things, I say as the Holy Spirit brings things to mind, as there's things on your heart, let's pray boldly, courageously, knowing that God is with us, and God wants to stir us in ways that we've never thought of before, to move us forward in our walk with him, be strong and courageous. Then, it says this, then he says in chapter Joshua 1, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate it day and night. That you may observe the things you're doing, that you may prosper. So he's saying you keep God's word tucked away in the very center of your heart. Don't let it go, Joshua. And I would add that to this whole idea, be strong and courageous. God is with us, and we need, and you know this as, as well as I, we need to tuck God's word in the inner center of our being. Be strong and courageous. Tuck that word in. Read that word. And these are things that we can be praying about. You shall meditate in day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosper and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor dismayed. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I would say wherever we go, so should the word of God be. Tucked in. Then in Joshua it says, so they the people answered Joshua saying, all that you command us we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. This is what I kind of chuckle with. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so will heed you. And Joshua's going, please not. (laughs) Only the Lord your God be with you. Yes, okay. And he was, as he was with Moses, only be strong and of good courage. Be strong and courageous. God is with us. And then verse Moses said to Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight with us. I will stand on the top of the hill. So Joshua did as he said and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron went up to the hill before the counterattack. Moses, Aaron, and her are already up the way on the hill to pray. Now her, Jewish tradition has it that her was the husband of Moses, Moses' sister Miriam. Interesting. But this guy became a judge in Israel. Another stellar Human being. Exodus 17, verse 11. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let, it down, let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So that they, they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands on one side. And the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until they're going down in the sun. You got the picture? It's given to us and we would understand what's going on here. The battle is fought and won on the hill in prayer and intercession. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. The battle in two places, in the valley and on the hill. In the valley below, chosen soldiers equipped with the sword. That's life. We are soldiers in giving. We'll look at that final passage this morning. On the hill above, hands held up, 
Israel prevails. Hands come down, Amalek prevails. On the hill above, hands supported and steady, Amalek defeated. It speaks of strong and steady in prayer. As it goes on the hill, so it goes in the valley and not the other way around. Overseeing the battle are three men praying. And the authority of God's the rod. Together supporting. And so I would say, as it goes in prayer, so goes it in prevailing. As it goes in prayer, so goes it in prevailing. I would also say, as it goes in the mind, so it goes in the moment. My mind is the battleground where my thoughts begin to take me, either into battle and victorious or running and defeated. It's my mind. The battle for my mind. Romans says, verse 8, chapter 8, verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, things of the Spirit. Paul instructs the Corinthians to guard their minds in a very poignant passage again, one that I think is worth memorizing. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our, the weapons of our warfare are not, are not carnal or of the flesh, but mighty in God for what? Pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, the mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, the mind. And bringing every thought captive, the mind, what? To the obedience of Christ. We've got to sort of filter the things that are coming into our mind because the devil throws fiery darts. The devil starts lying to us. He is the father of life. We start hearing things, believing things. We even begin feeling things and think that they're true. This, that, or the other thing. So as it goes in the mind, so it goes in the moment. Is my mind saturated with the things of God? Am I understanding to be able to discern the lies from the truth? I'm able to sort through the feelings that have nothing to do with the reality of who God is and what he wants to do in my life. Feelings can get in the way so often. It's not that they're wrong. They just are. How am I dealing with that in my mind? And it is a thing of the mind of saying, hold on a second. I'm going to worship God. Hold on a second. I'm going to pray. Hold on a second and hold these things back from coming in and, and sort of barging out. My faith in God, my believing God, my trust in God. The devil wars against our minds. And these strongholds, and I'll tell you, as we've gone through this pandemic, and I start talking, in fact, one poignant, one conversation, I don't know why the word poignant is coming up all the time this morning, but it is. One conversation I'm having with this young lady, I'm thinking, because we were talking about genders, how many genders are there? Yeah. And she had to stop and she just, well, yeah, I, I, you know, whatever somebody feels, I guess that's, hold on a second, hold on, time out. That is not true. And the lies that are being perpetrated in the minds of our young people today specifically are horrendous. 
And they're destroying. And what is the truth is the sword of the spirit. It's the word of God. The edge of this sword that's going out. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Wait a second. I'm going to raise up the standard, the banner of the word of God. And my heart aches for the young, what's going on in our nation today, what's going on in the educational system. Now they're saying, parents, parents, you can't tell us what we're going to teach your kids. Hold on. Time out. God has given the authority for raising children to parents, not school boards. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting out every imagination, every thought. Hold on a second. Is that true? No. Time out. God, as we're praying, I think a huge part of it's on our, many of our hearts is our younger people, even down to fours and fives that are being encouraged to question their gender. It's demonic. It's evil. It's wrong. My heart breaks. And so this week as we're praying and asking God, let us be bold and strong and courageous And ask the Holy Spirit, what would you have me to do? We're going to pray this thing through up on the hill. We're praying. We're interceding. We're asking God. But then down the valley, where's the sword? How am I going to wield it in this area and that thing? And God has given all of us very different spheres of influence. But in every one of those influences, the same truths prevail. The sword is the the word of God is is the sword of the spirit. It's mighty for pulling down strongholds. And being ready to punish all disobedience once your obedience is fulfilled. The only answer for disobedience is repentance and obedience. Fight the good fight of faith. To God be the glory in all these things. Now, there are so many ways, as I look at this story, so many ways that God could have defeated the Amalekites. He chose this dual front. The hill and the valley. And then I was thinking, he could have just sent an angel. One angel wiped out 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. One night. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas, as they are arresting him, Peter rises to Jesus' defense. What does he have? A sword. And what happened? He lopped off some servant's ear. Peter, come on. <laughs> and then, his name was Malchus. And a beautiful story. And then Jesus healed him. But he said to Peter, put your sword in its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father... And he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Now, I did the math. 12 legions of angels is 72,000 angels. Multiply that by 185,000 each. And you have 13,320,000,000 done. I don't know there weren't that many Amalekites. In fact, that's twice the population of the earth. I look at that and I say, okay, God, just would you send them? <laughs> But Jesus said, hold on, do you not think, I could, right now, I could pray. I could ask my father, and he'd send me 72,000 angels. 
I believe what Jesus is saying is, hold on, there's something much bigger going on here. Bigger than 13 billion angels or bigger than anything you can even think of. There's something more going on here. And what was it? The cross. It was the cross. He said, how could the, then, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled? That it must happen thus. Here is Jesus going into battle at the cross. Angels can't accomplish, 13 billion of them can't accomplish what he accomplished alone, hanging on a cross for your and my sin. And in Christ is our victory. We should be thankful he didn't call the 12 legions. He just called upon the Lord and said, Father, <laughs> into your hands I commit my spirit. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit and died. He died. And in his death, in what happened on that cross, Jesus defeated every enemy aligned against us in our souls. Every one of them conquered them, destroyed them, the world, the flesh, the devil. And so we operate, we pray from a place of victory in Christ. And we say, thank you, Lord. At the cross, you triumphed in victory over my sin and over the sin of the world. You triumphed over the devil and all the principalities. Power. You defeated them. Yes, God still allowed them for his purposes. But friends, my brothers and sisters of the Lord, we pray from a place of victory in Christ. And may that be a part of what we're doing as we're praying. Because Jesus then in prayer, he won the victory. When he was there three times, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Victory accomplished in prayer in the garden. Prayer is a deciding factor. Prayer is not in vain. Prairie, prayer is to the glory of God. It's not in vain. Look at verse 14. The Lord spoke, said to Moses, Write this for a moral in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Why, tell Joshua, remind him, this is not in vain. You had, you had a skirmish, you fought with them, they're going to be back. There's going to be more battles, but it's not in vain. Ultimately, I will accomplish what I said I'd accomplish. Oh, you got thankful for that. It is not in vain. Recount it in the hearing of Joshua. Tell them again, tell them. And brothers, we need to hear again, 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 what Joshua did for us, Jesus did for us. And recount it again and recount. It never wears old. It never wears out. Jesus Christ is our victory. He's our captain of the Lord's host. He is the one who leads in victory. He's the one by whom we can have access by faith in his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He is the high priest who we come to, the throne of grace. He intercedes for us. How can we lose? We can't. So long as we're trusting in the Lord in our prayers. It's not in vain. Prayer is to the glory of God. Look at verses 15 and 16. And Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nisi. For he said, because the Lord has sworn, the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, this is a difficult verse to translate. The ESV says this way. Say, a hand upon the throne of the Lord, the Lord will, ha will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. So it's a hand lifted either to the throne or it's lifted against the throne. The question is, whose hand is it referring to? If it's the hand of Moses, it's a hand lifted to God in intercession. 
If it's the hand of Amalek, it's a hand lifted against God in vain. Either way, there's victory. Both are applicable. God's ultimate victory through prayer over his enemies, through us. We're going to be spending seven days in prayer and fasting. These encouragements for us should challenge our spiritual stamina in prayer. The Lord, excuse, the devil would love to rob us of believing God in prayer, of even going to prayer. Now, prayer simply is talking to God, fellowship with God, relationship with God. But as Moses' was, hands were held up by Aaron and her, that's a prayer meeting. It's a prayer meeting. When we get together to pray, that's what's happening. We're supporting each other, and we need that. We get weary, we get tired, we get vulnerable, we get weak. We come together to pray. I've said this before. It's so true for me in my heart. The best hour I spend every week is in the hour of prayer in that fellowship hall. Because when I'm praying with other people, there's support there, and we're doing it. And when I leave there, I feel like we just did business with God at the throne of grace. That's what just happened. Or the Zoom meeting that Greg's overseeing. You just did business with God on Zoom. I always say, Jesus is coming Zoom. <laughs> He's there. <laughs> Joshua's victory was contingent on Moses' intercession. I'm telling you, the victories that are necessary in this world are going to come through our intercession, our prayers. And we need to be challenged in our spiritual stamina in the area of praying. I hope this week, Maybe it's a meal, maybe it's two meals, maybe it's three meals, maybe it's not meals, it's something else. Whatever you're laying aside, I'm saying, do it. Do it. Pray. Pray to God for Calvary. Pray to God for the things that come on heart. Samuel Sweeney was a missionary in the Muslim world. He used to call prayer the gymnasium of the soul. I say, we got a week workout all lined up for us to pray. From the valley to the hill. They're engaged in a victorious battle. In the early church, they met in the upper room to pray. Whenever there was trouble, they prayed. When there was things coming up, they didn't know it, they prayed. When they were sending someone out, they prayed. God help us. Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, our prayer meetings can, trans, can cover the whole world. When we're in a room like a fellowship hall or on a Zoom meeting. And often it does. Pray without ceasing. This guy Epaphras in Colossians labored fervently in prayer. So I'm challenging myself and challenging you this week. Not to just think it's a good idea. But to make it a practice. Pray for our church. Ask God to do what he wants to accomplish here. Jesus said, spoke a parable, say, men are always to pray and not to lose heart, which tells me if you don't pray, you're going to lose heart. What's going to happen? So may the Lord help us. Would you say amen for me? To help us this week to pray. I want to close 
with a passage from Ephesians that many of you are well versed in. And then I would like to do another uh, responsive reading. I'm going to ask you to stand for that, but then we're going to take communion together as a fitting way to close our service. So in, in this passage in Ephesians, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Now, Paul is coming out of the first five and a half chapters, which he's laying out, our, we're seated in Christ, our position. Then he talks about relationships with each other, marriage, children, raising families, workplace. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Moses said, I'm going to go up and stand. We are to stand in prayer. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you be able to withstand, and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you can quench all the what fiery darts of the wicked one, mind. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says, closes it, praying always with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. Be watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication. And then Paul says this, and, then, and pray for me. Pray for me. And he's saying that I may have boldness. So you know Paul's asking for prayer because he was, he was losing a little bit of that. Saying, pray for me. And as we pray this week, as we pray, we're praying for each other. What Paul prayed to the Ephesians, and for me that utterance may be given to them, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in James, that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. May God answer that prayer for us as believers. So would you stand? I'd like to just have us read this together, and then as the emblems are passed out, take communion together. And by the way, these prayer requests, it, this would be a time during this communion, you can come up anytime where you have a prayer, to just fill that out and say, Lord, here's a prayer. Here's a prayer. This is like a, I read this and I felt blessed by it, so I thought, I'm going to pass it on. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of the God of Jacob defend you. May he remember all your offerings. And accept your burnt sacrifice, Selah. We will rejoice in your salvation. In the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Some trust in chariots. And summon horses. <laughs> but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. All together. Save, Lord. May the King answer us when we call. You can be seated. And as the emblems are passed out, if you would hold those, then I'll lead us in taking them together as the body of Christ this morning.